Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Father's Love Healing Through Heartache. Uh, we are excited to present our final episode of our first season of our podcast, and we want to thank everybody for tuning in. I am Dan. I'm here with my good friend, Chris. Chris, hello, sir. How are you today? Dan, how's it going, buddy? What a can't believe we made it through our first season. It's, it flew by, actually, but it was a ton of fun, and... I won't say fun in the sense that, um, you know, we had to go through all the hard memories again, but fun getting to learn this process with you and continuing to grow it. So I really enjoyed it overall. Absolutely. And we've talked to every person that's been on this show and most of the people who we know are listening to it, that fun is not the right word. It's been, yeah, it's been great to get to know Chris better and our guests that have been on, but yeah, again, we wish we weren't here. So today's episode, to wrap up Season 1, guys, we uh, we wanted to take some more time to discuss Adam, which is what Mason ultimately passed from, and we wanted to talk about what illness took Jameson. We wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to really, as best we can, as non-medical people, uh, tell you what the symptoms were, what our boys were experiencing, so that if anything happens to your children, you at least have the information to question the doctors a little bit more, and hopefully, if you ever are in that situation, to be able to make some decisions that could potentially save a life. And then uh, we want to wrap up the season with just a few points of what we really want you to know, what Chris really wants you to know about him and his situation in his life and me the same. So with that, we're going to start with Chris. And Chris, whatever you want to say about Adam, go ahead, my friend. All right, thanks, Dan. Yeah, um, it's definitely a goal of mine, especially it's going to be one of the goals of Miles for Mason is to get out more awareness of what Adam is. So... Hopefully I don't butcher this word too bad. Um, so ADEM is the short term for acute disseminated encephalomyelitis. Acute disseminated encephalomyelitis. And what that is is a brief but widespread attack of inflammation in the brain and spinal cord that causes damage to the melon, which is the protect protective coverings of nerve fibers in the brain. Um, it usually follows um, a viral or bacterial infection. So typically the person is sick first and from the sickness they develop this. Um, so the basic gist of ADEM is that it's an autoimmune condition where the body's immune system is mistakenly identifying um, its own healthy cells as foreign bodies. So it starts to attack them, and that's what happens. Um, it typically happens 4 to 14 days after a sickness. Um, some of the condition or some of the symptoms are nausea, vomiting, headache, confusion, weakness, um, unsteady walking. So people that normally walk fine and are typically doing fine, and then all of a sudden they can't even walk. Um, sensory change, including numbness or tingling, 
And man, I wish I would have known about that before. Mason was complaining to us that he was having tingling in his legs and we couldn't, we brought it up to the doctors. They had no clue. They, they, they pretty much brushed it off. Um, but some other symptoms, um, some people have trouble with vision and seizures. It what looks like a seizure. Uh, Mason had that as well. He had what looked like was a seizure. And uh, so typically from the research, and again, like Dan said, we're not medical doctors. I'm not an expert in this by any means, only in the fact that I've lived the worst of it. The prognosis is typically pretty good. Um, it typically 60 to 90% of people that get ADEM survive it and have no issues afterwards. Fortunately, we're in that, that little realm of that 10% where Mason passed away from it. Um, if you do get it and you're able to catch it early enough, it typically can be healed um, in four to six weeks. So it is not a quick process. You're not going to be out of the hospital quick. From what I've been told, it's going to take a while. But, you know, for those, I think the biggest thing that I want to stress is trying to figure out as early as possible, um, you know, to at, tell your doctor to check for it. So with Mason, we took him in. He was sick. We found out he had pneumonia. Um, but that was it. We didn't, we didn't know anything else. You know, we brought up the tingling. If I would have known about the tingling in the legs... I really think it would have made a difference that ADEM can cause tingling in the legs. Because then I could have said, hey, doc, could it be ADEM? Could it be his immune system is attacking his body? And, you know, we could have got that, that CT scan of his brain quicker. And what it is is when they do the CT scan of the brain, the doctors can see these little lesions, on these little marks on your brain, and they know, hey, that's, that's the – your immune system attacking your brain um, and that's the hard part so uh, who can get ADEM ADEM can appear in any age children are more likely than adults to develop it uh, more than 80% of childhood cases occur in patients younger than 10 most of the remaining cases occur between the ages of 10 to 20 but it's pretty rare for adults it's a thought to affect one in every 125,000 to 250,000 individuals in a given year. 5% uh, of those cases are associated with a vaccine. So sometimes when uh, a child gets a vaccine, ADEM can occur 5% uh, of the time. Here's some other important tips. It typically more frequently appears in boys than girls. 60% of the time it's boys, 40% of the time it's a female. Um, and it's all over the world, every ethnic group. There's not one specific ethnic group one way or another that it goes. Um, and that's just a little bit about ADEM. So, again, the, the things I really want to stress is uh, another thing is the seizures, right? Um, Mason had seizures that if I would have known between the tingling and the seizures that, you know, maybe this is ADEM. You know, or even if your your child does have a seizure, bring up ADEM to your doctor and say, hey, could this be ADEM? Could this could just check into it for us? And especially if your child isn't prone to having seizures and this is their first one, it, it's worth bringing up because it's 
again, I had no idea about it. And by the time we found out, it was just too late. Mason's brain had already swelled too much. Um, let me go over some of the, uh, let me see here if I can find it real quick. Here it is, some of the treatments. And I'm getting all this information from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Uh, so, and also from the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. So, um, MS and ADEM are in the same realm. So, a lot of MS studies also deal with ADEM. So, the treatment for ADEM is uh, suppressing inflammation in the brain using anti-inflammatory drugs, mostly steroids. They give them uh, steroids through their IV and the goal is the steroids will help reduce the swelling in the brain. Uh, most individuals respond to that several days after it starts. So I remember even being in the hospital with Mason and them starting it and saying, listen, we're not going to know today or tomorrow. It'll probably be the end of the week before we even know this is starting. Um, I, I wish I would have been a bit more aggressive. Uh, it's something that I'm going to live with for the rest of my life that I feel I... I, I failed Mason to a degree. I went off the doctor's judgment, but I wish I would have went a bit more aggressive because the next treatment is called plasma phoresis. And what that is, it's kind of like a dialysis machine is that it takes your blood and it cleans it. It cleans all the, the bad antibodies out of your blood and then puts your blood back into your body. And I really wish I would have done that. Uh, they brought it up on the third day and there was some debate between the pediatrician and the neurologist about if they should stick with the steroids or go to the plasmapheresis. And, man, if I could have literally that moment in time back, I would have said, I want the plasmapheresis right now. And I think maybe we would have had a better chance. I don't know. I'll never know. But uh, So those are the two types of treatment. You know, if it happens to your child, you're going to get the, the steroids. But I would... Again, I'm not a doctor. This is just Chris Lopardi who lived it. You know, bring up plasmapheresis early and don't wait very long. If you can get that done as soon as possible, um, you just tell them, don't let the doctors push you around. This is your child. At the end of the day, they're going home to their kids. This is your child. You tell them what you want. And if that's what you want, that's what you push for. Uh, I'm going to bring up one more story real quick. Um, I had a friend of ours, Amanda and mine. I'm not going to mention any names. They uh, they reached out to us a couple days ago saying, hey, a really close family friend, very, very close family friend, the daughter, is showing some of the same things that sound like Mason had. Having a seizure was fine, and then all of a sudden just having a seizure, and um, they can't figure it out. Can you tell me what Adam is again? So we explained everything that we went through. They brought it up to the doctor, and it comes to find out that she did have ADEM. And uh, they tried to do the plasmapheresis a lot earlier than we did. Um, but unfortunately, she didn't make it either from ADEM. ADEM took her as well. So it's really my goal to get the word out of what ADEM is and make sure that parents know to bring it up to the doctor. Not that it's always going to be that, but that, you know, there's a chance that that's what it is. And the sure tell way to find it is with that CT scan of the brain. So you really want to push that for as early as you can as well. So that's, that's, that's the gist of ADEM. Dan, what do you think? Did I get it all out? Anything I'm missing that you think I should get out there? I mean, I obviously don't know very much about it other than what you've shared. It, 
it's you've said everything that you've told me consistently um and i think the story of your friend just a few days ago that is what has really hit me lately of just how important maybe this podcast could be literally maybe it'll save a life in i mean and that that's our goal one of our goals here is to try to educate people and if if we can help you not go through the same hell that we're going through then we we're we're glad to do that no yeah i agree and you know when mason first passed from adem it was hard to talk about it i think the hard part too is like the human body is such an amazing thing and to think like it would get confused about its own cells and start attacking its own cells and its body it's sad for me to know that my my little boy who was such a strong kid you know physically strong he was extremely you know i've talked numerous times about his physical abilities a kid could run probably five miles you know he's seven years old he could probably go run five miles like it's nothing um just his physical strength how it didn't matter you know the body still attacked it and um you know it's something hard to live with for sure but i really want parents to not have to live with the the heaviness that i have of waiting too long or not that the doctors pushing me around they didn't but i took their advice but i wish i would have been more aggressive with it if that makes sense i wish it would have been like no i'm not seeing any results i want the next step let's go and I, I, that is one thing i've learned big time with losing mason is before I would let the doctors tell me what they thought. And now I let the doctors tell me, but I also say, okay, that's great. This is what I want done with my child. And this is what you're going to do. And I'm much more aggressive now with my other boys when they get sick or hurt. I tell the doctors, I want an x-ray on it. Oh, it's not really needed. I don't care if it's needed. I want it. You're going to do it. My insurance covers it. Do it right now. And if you're not going to do it, give me another doctor because I'll have them do it. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to tell the doctors what you want. Because at the end of the day, like I said, they're going home to their family. I'm not willing to lose another child because a doctor didn't do the right uh, treatment or check for the right thing. Uh, and I will never make that mistake again. Um, it's one of the hardest things I said I, I live with every day that I feel like maybe I let Mason down with not being aggressive enough. So do not be afraid to tell the doctors what you want. Absolutely. Uh, and I know it's, it's a hard thing because you, you, you trust the doctors. That's what they're trained to do. Um, but I personally, I can't imagine how difficult their jobs are because they, yeah, to look at every condition in the world and to, to figure out the puzzles of the symptoms has to be super challenging for them. Uh, but, and then there's always a financial piece that comes into play with individuals, but ultimately what Chris is saying is spot on. We've got to advocate for our kids and our family. And now that we've been through what we've been through, yeah, that changes everything for the future. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's, I'm not going to say it's a hard lesson because like you said, we went with the doctors and, but like you said, think about it. Think about your own job. I know for my own job, I don't know everything about my job. How can you know a doctor know 
thousands of different conditions just on the, you know, this is a time thing. It's not like a, and, you know, to a degree, I'm upset with the doctors, but I don't blame them, you know. They're human. I don't think they made a mistake. I think they went off the best uh, information given at the moment. But, man, that's that's where I'm trying to get this information out now to get people telling doctors earlier. You know, the ER doc didn't never even mention anything like this. He thought it was straight up just a seizure. Uh, I remember the first time we went to the ER with Mason after he had a seizure, they thought it was just a seizure, and they wanted us to get him up and walking around. They said that's one of the things after a seizure you want to get him up walking Mason couldn't do it. He just couldn't. I was literally holding him as he was walking. Now I feel like I was probably torturing him. Um, and I just put him back in bed, and I said, he can't do it. He's, you know, if the doctor really wanted to, I'm like, he cannot get up and walk, and we're just not doing it anymore. Um, so, you know, even my ER doctor didn't think of it. Heck, the pediatricians at the ICU didn't think about it for a couple hours. It was probably two or three hours that we were already there. Um, you know, those we'll never know if that little bit of time made a difference, but, um, you know, that first time we went to the ER with Mason with the seizure and we went to the children's hospital, the neurologist never even brought it up. He thought Mason had a reaction to the antibiotic for the pneumonia. And that's what caused the seizure. Never even thought, let's just do a brain scan and make sure it's okay. Um, you know, again, another mistake I made, I, I listened to him. Instead of saying, you know, no, this isn't normal. Let's do a brain scan and make sure everything's okay in there before I go home. I trusted the doctor. And I'm not saying don't trust your doctor, okay? I, the doctor tells me something at the end of the day. He went to medical school. I didn't. But I'm just saying as a parent, trust your gut. Be aggressive. It's your family. You know, do what you think is best at that moment. So with that... Um, Dan, thanks for letting me get my story out about ADEM. I'm going to keep pushing it with Miles from Mason as we get it set up. And uh, I look forward to talking to some more experts about it in the future. I do want to go sit with some experts and get as much info as I can to make sure I become an advocate for this. Um, but with that, Dan, I'm going to pass it over to you. Let's hear your story. I know it's going to be hard as well, but um, all the floor is yours, sir. All right. Thanks, bud. Uh, yeah, so for our listeners, um, this is actually the first time that we are publicly sharing what happened to Jameson. Um, we've only told our very closest family and friends so far of what actually took Jameson. I just, we just have never wanted to. It's, um, it's just been for us a personal thing, um, that while hurt through the, the most intense grieving period, it was just too painful to talk about, and for whatever reason, we didn't want it out there. Uh, but, again, it's one of those things, I thank Chris for this, of going through this podcast this summer, uh, through this year, we've, we've become more comfortable with the idea of sharing what happened to Jameson, more importantly, because maybe it'll save somebody's life. Um, so, Jameson died from, it's called a volvulus from malrotation, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the technical medical terms. Uh, I can't, but basically what it is, is that his small intestine twisted, because at it sounds like at birth he 
his intestine never formed correctly or laid in the body correctly and so it just twisted up on itself and ultimately that's what killed him because the, uh, obviously food can't get through and process and, and leave the body correctly and at, from what I understand and I still don't understand all of it but it it sounds like his body his intestine just twisted up and it that food blockage apparent I think just uh, grew big enough that it actually ruptured his small intestine and then from that point on it was the infection in the body and in the blood that ultimately I think sepsis is ultimately what killed him from the blood infection so from what I understand uh, one of our it may have been in the autopsy they told us that there there's some sort of a a muscle or a nerve or something going down your abdomen that apparently holds your intestines in place correctly and it sounds like maybe Jameson's had from again from birth his had maybe grown on the wrong side of the intestines and that's what enabled the intestines to twist over time um, the one of the weird things is that this is supposed to happen in babies and really young kids and it's supposed to happen in adults uh, the adult version of it I'm, I can't talk much about it obviously but that has something to do with the colon twisting and infecting the intestines uh, but the the baby one is more with the small intestines uh, but generally it shows up in the first six months to a year or two so it's it's one of those things I consider that we're very fortunate that we got Jameson for nine years because it sounds like we should have had to deal with this much much earlier in his life um, the the symptoms are just super hard for me to talk about because it presents itself as the flu, as I've shared before. Um, Jameson, he woke up, he went to bed totally normal. He had absolutely no health issues like, like Mason. He was a perfectly healthy little boy. He was playing sports, running around like crazy every day, never had any issues at all. And all of a sudden, this one night, he woke up from bed, he had intestinal, abdominal pain, and he was throwing up. And those are the symptoms. You have tenderness in the abdomen, cramping in the abdomen, constipation, which Jameson never had. Um, he never said anything about having trouble going to the bathroom. Uh, we're not aware of any of it, so I don't know. It, again, it makes it a hard symptom to to help when you go to the doctor hey maybe it's this because as far as we know he didn't he was just fine going to the bathroom but he had the abdominal pain and he had the the nausea and the vomiting which are the other main symptoms um, it and this is hard for me as a colorblind and it's one of the things I'm I kick myself about a lot is that it says that the the vomit is a green bilish color and being colorblind 
I don't know what color his vomit is. I don't know if it was any different than other times he was sick. Did I mess up not getting Erica and saying, hey, what color is his puke? Um, but apparently it's green. And again, I don't know if that's the same as it usually is or not. Uh, but those are the symptoms. And even after reading all of it, Erica and I still, we talk about it. It's like if we had gone to the hospital immediately, they would have sent us home with the flu. There's, we, we are absolutely positive that they would have said it's the flu. And I, I don't know of any symptoms with the volvulus that, like a tingling of the feet with Adam, I think that is valuable information to have. Where I don't know that there is that for a volvulus because it's, it presents itself as a flu and there's nothing else really that stands out. So I don't, I don't have advice for people of how to really fight when you're with the doctors of, hey, test them for this, test them for this. Again, it, it comes down to going in and getting the CT scans and x-rays, which we know is not realistic every time that you go into the hospital uh, because of just the time and the resource side, but also the financial side for many people. So I just, I, it, it's hard to present information that, that I feel like could really be beneficial. Um, so, and that, that's what it is. Um, but, uh, that's it. And Dan, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I think the hard part, like you said, is that even if you went to the hospital, you don't think anything would have been found because symptoms are so familiar to the common flu that everybody deals with. So I know that's definitely eating you up inside that, you know, you couldn't even do anything if you wanted to because what could you have done? You know, the doctors wouldn't have, they would have said it's the flu, go home, you know, clear fluids, rest, and wait it out. So I know how difficult that is for you knowing that. Yeah, and especially since he had it since he was born. Now that you said right from when he was born, is he's had it probably his whole life. Um, that's just intense. Yeah, it is, and uh, we've we've had Reese tested. Apparently, now that we know, uh, there is a test that they can do to to check and make sure the intestines are all laid out the right way. Um, I I guess. I, I don't understand the human body. I don't know how they don't shift in your body. It just seems like it'd be so easy for every all your organs to shift. But again, that apparently that one vein or muscle or whatever tendon or whatever it was that holds everything in place. Um, but I think it'd be irresponsible. I want to say to everybody, hey, go have a have this test done and check your kids' intestines. But I think that'd be irresponsible to say that because. Again, it's just, it's it's a rare condition. It affects. I think I saw it was like one in two hundred thousand people. It's about one in six thousand live births that has it. So it's a very uncommon, like Adam. It's a very uncommon thing that most I had never heard of it until I read it. Uh, so I don't. Again, I just 
I don't know how to help people with it. Um, it's comforting. Again, comforting is not the right word, but I don't know the right word. Um, we were told that even if we had taken Jameson to the hospital immediately when he woke up, it was probably too late. So it it is comforting on that one level that when I'm beating myself up, as I, I think I shared before when I was telling Jameson's story in episode one of all night long I was up, do I take him to the hospital or not? They're just going to send me home. Um, we were told by multiple doctors that he was probably dead the moment that he woke up in pain because at that point his intestine had already ruptured and sepsis had already begun setting in. Um, but again, I wish, I wish we would have tried because maybe we could have been one of that handful of percentage of people that the immediate surgery could have worked who knows uh, that seems to be the 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 only fix is a surgery to to get in there and just untwist everything and so that, that all the organs can process food correctly and let them pass through the body um, there was I think I shared that there was a moment at, early in the morning that Jameson wanted to go to his bed. He got up and he collapsed. He tried to walk to his bedroom and he collapsed on the floor on his knees. And I attributed that to the fact that he hadn't slept all night. He was just exhausted. Um, in hindsight, I think it was probably his body was just too weak from exhaustion, but also more importantly from at that point, the sepsis had been uh, developing for hours and I honestly, it may have been even longer in, in my researching. I, I'm not clear on the fact of, I, I imagine that the pain he felt when he woke up, I've always envisioned that was the moment his intestine ruptured. It sounds reasonable that, yeah, if your organ is literally ripping apart, that would hurt. And then once it's ripped, it wouldn't be painful. It would be, and he, Jameson, he wasn't in pain all night. After that initial 30 minutes to an hour, he was uncomfortable all night. But I kept asking him, what are you feeling? He's like, I'm okay. So, and if, if we're in pain, we tell people. So I, I, I just envisioned that is the moment it ruptured, but it's possible apparently that the rupture can happen, and the tissue death uh, can happen a week or two ahead of time and it can literally take a week or two for all the sepsis to truly develop and and affect the body so I I don't know I always I've always thought that it was him playing basketball that afternoon that killed him because again I just envision him shooting the ball and his his organs are bouncing around and for whatever reason for nine years they didn't twist but this was the day that his basketball shot caused his intestines to twist upon themselves and then an hour and a half later ruptured. Uh, but in researching it, it's possible it happened a week or two earlier. But again, then he, he, he didn't seem to be constipated. So I don't, I don't know the timeline. I can't, I don't know if it's reasonable that it all happened literally that quickly. 
or if we just somehow missed symptoms. So again, I, I wish I could help people with more information, but it's just, I, I can't. Well, Dan, I know, like you said, this is the first telling really everyone about what actually happened to Jameson. So thanks for getting that out. And I do have a question about if you know what the actual name is of the test that they did on uh, Reeks to make sure that he didn't. I don't have that. I'd have to dig it up um, and ask Eric. I don't. I didn't think about getting that test, but um, I'm pretty sure if you walk in and said uh, we need to test for a male rotation of the intestine, they'll know. But he went up to Asheville to to have that done. I, I'm, it was one of those where they put he had to drink whatever the green liquid was or whatever, and they they X-ray and watch it proceeding through his body to make sure everything's flowing correctly. So, but. Well, I'm glad that, you know, Reese doesn't have it, obviously, as well. That's, and uh, I don't have a lot of words for you, buddy, because I know how hard it is. And, and it's harder in the fact that as a person like you who likes to help people, you feel like this information probably can't help many people. But I think it's an important um it's an important thing to know about. I never even knew that could happen until we talked about it. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I have that knowledge and information now, especially I think for me thinking about how you said initially they're in a lot of pain in their, in their abdominal area. And then all of a sudden they're fine. Um, just something to pay attention to, you know, not that it will help or not, but like you said, you, you kind of beat yourself up because you're like, man, maybe if he would have been on the surgery, uh, they could have fixed it. You'll never know. It's something I know that I beat myself up with, and just us as dads, that's what we do. We, we put a lot of blame and torture on ourselves, and uh, you know, I hope you don't torture yourself too much knowing that I think the doctors would have just sent you home with the flu as well. Yep, and yeah, we've both shared over time many times of, how one of the the things with our grief is that as a dad we feel like we failed our kid and Chris has talked many times about he doesn't feel like he fought hard enough with the doctors to get the right tests I feel like I failed Jameson in not taking him in to the hospital even though I had thought about it all night long and yeah in hindsight it's really easy to sit there and say at that moment and that moment and that moment I should have gone I should have gone but Eric and I know we absolutely know 100% in our hearts that we did what every parent would have done and we would have been sent home and it helps on the one hand but it on the other hand it yeah it doesn't help at all so I guess, yeah, the two, I guess the two main things are, like Chris just said, maybe the abdominal pain, pay more attention to that specifically. And again, the color of the, the vomit, if, uh, if you notice it's greener than usual, maybe those are the two, two signals that to really start driving. You'd ask the doctor, hey, I know somebody that son had this, it's a rare condition. 
Is it possible? Can we test? And uh, hope that it's not too late. So. Me too. I hope. Uh, you know, I, I do firmly believe that you getting this info out that maybe it will help someone in the future. And uh, all we can do is pay attention to those signs and symptoms. Another sign and symptom that you mentioned. Um, I've started doing it a lot more lately. Is when uh, the, my boys are sick, because I do ask them, "Are, are you constipated?" Uh, especially um, my older two. Now that they understand what that is, it's something I break. I notice doctors ask it pretty much every time I go in now. So it's it's something that I've been asking the boys a lot more. So maybe those of you listening, if you have kids or, or grandkids, like that's something you could bring up as well. Like are they constipated or are they having normal bathroom breaks? And and that's one of those it's one of those weird things that I think about a lot now of do we have to sit down with our kids and have these weird discussions over weird health issues of, because it, it's not fun to talk about that stuff. And it's really weird to talk about it with little kids. And, but Chris and I are living it. And maybe there is that time that you have to sit down with your family and just say, look guys, this is the world we live in now that there are some weird health things and here are some symptoms that, yes, it's it's weird to talk about it, not fun to talk about it, gross a lot of times, but it's important information that we need to know so that we can uh, get you the help you need if, if you're having certain symptoms. Yeah, I think that's a great idea of talking to your kids and saying, hey, come tell mom or dad if you're having constipation or this or that. That way they know that it's not normal, especially little kids, and they're, they're willing to come down and um, you know, tell you about it. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, before we move on, I just want to make sure, is there anything else that you want to say about Adam and just the awareness piece? No, I think I got it all out there. I appreciate everyone you know, listening and Definitely message me if you have any other questions. I'll try and find the answer. I'm not an expert. I'm only living, I'm an only expert in the fact that I know it can kill your loved one. Uh, that it's rare, but it can happen. And uh, I want to make sure it doesn't happen to your loved one too. So uh, other than that, I think I got as much info out as I can. Again, uh, the websites that I went to, just for some resources, uh, National Multiple Sclerosis Society online. And then I also got a lot of information from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Um, just simple Google search or uh, any search engine search, and you can get all the signs, symptoms, treatments, uh, everything you can do to help your loved one if you think that's an issue. That's awesome. Great resources. Um, and I know Chris and I both, um, during the, the next month while we're taking a break from recording the podcast. We're going to work very hard again on Miles for Mason and Jameson's Joy of continuing the things we've talked about a lot, but also really working to develop a, a part of it that has resources for people who are grieving, but also and the awareness piece for Adam and for the male rotation so that, again, we want people to be educated. And we want people to have the support to 
and the resources to hopefully get things diagnosed before it is too late. And sadly, if it is too late to save the life, um, to at least have that support around you to, to continue with your life. And so we're going to be working on that over the next month. And we'll certainly, when we open up our second season in August, we'll, uh, we'll share updates on all the progress that we've made to help everybody. So what we want to end our season one with is just, I want you to know, and it's, it's going to be that clear, um, of everything we've talked about this season, we've repeated ourselves many times, here are the most important things that, that I want you to know about me and my life and what I'm going through and how you can support us. So Chris, go ahead, my friend. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this, and I really kind of wanted to put down what I learned from everything, from the second I lost Mason to the point I'm at now. And so I just wrote down some key little things that, you know, I really made sure that um, are important to me. Uh, one of the things is that uh, us as humans, we're all connected a lot more than I realized it's really easy to get in your bubble and not interact with anybody um, or uh, only the people you're really comfortable with. But I've learned through losing Mason that um, I'm really connected to a lot more people than I realized. And, uh, you know, it's something that I'm happy about. You know, us as humans, we're, we're social people by nature and, uh, in this digital age, it can be difficult to get that social interaction, but uh, I really feel like I have that connection with a lot of people. Uh, the other thing I did not realize before Mason passed is how many parents are out there suffering from the loss of a child. I legit, before losing Mason, I don't know, call it just being naive, I did not realize how many awesome kids lose their life um every day and it's it's sad for me it's sad um because i feel lucky in the sense that i have dan i have my family i have my friends and i can talk about it and a lot of these parents are suffering bad and they cannot talk about it and uh, they're they're really suffering and it's very difficult for them to live day by day and uh so you know to those out there that are listening, if you are suffering, you're not alone. You know, we're, we're here to help. We want you to make it, not just make it, we want you to thrive. We want you to be happy. You know, I'm not going to say I'm at my happiest moment. I'm not. But I'm not going to say that I feel the same as I did the day after Mason passed away. Because I know I'm a little better. I'm maybe 1% or 2% better. But I'm better. And I'm slowly getting there. And uh, I'm not going to let Mason's memory go down as a negative thing because of my bitterness or sadness. I just won't. I won't tarnish his memory like that. Uh, so the best thing I can do is get up, try to have the best attitude I can with everything going on, try to help a person, try to be good to this world, and hope one day that that good is enough to get me into heaven with my boy. Uh, and that's, that's my goal. Uh, I learned that a lot of people care about me and my family. Uh, and that's a good feeling. I, I, I 
I'm happy to know that people care. You know, in the military, there's always a lot of talk about we're a giant family. And, you know, I was always like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, we're a big family. Kumbaya. But it wasn't until Mason passed where I was like, wow, okay. They were not joking. They're here to help. And uh, same thing with my family at home, Amanda's family, uh, our friends. Everybody came to our aid. And it felt good to know that I'm not alone. You know, we're not going through this alone. Uh, we might have the most pain, but we're not going through this alone. Uh, am I rambling too much, Dan? I got a couple more, if that's You're okay. You're good. Keep going. Uh, okay, so this one took me a little while to get to realize. Um, even in the worst grief I had, um, I still believe in God. He's still an important part of my life. I still pray every day. And while I don't like his plan, and I definitely don't understand his plan, uh, I'm not going to be able to change it. He's God. I'm just me. Um, but I'm still going to try to be that good person, like I said before. And uh, I think we've talked numerous episodes about religion. Uh, I'm an advocate for religion. I feel it gives me hope, gives me a reason. And I encourage those that, you know, are going through grief and you're questioning your beliefs to really kind of search your soul and see what you think. And... Uh, for me, all I can talk about is for me, is that I, I still believe in God. It took me a little while. I never stopped believing in God, but I definitely questioned why me very often. And I'm not at the why me anymore now. Now I'm at the, I know you got a plan. I hate your plan. <laughs> I'm going to tell you straight up, God, I hate your plan. Uh, but I trust you at the end of the day. And uh, just please let me see my boy again when I get up there. And then the last thing I really have learned this past year is that there's more good in the world than there is bad. And that can get really lost with today's digital age. There's You just see bad stuff every single day in the news, online, just everywhere, just bad stuff. But the help we've gotten, the support we've gotten, the people that have came to our aid in our most dire time, um, there's a lot more good in this world than there is bad. And if you're going through that grief, search for that good. Have people help you. Don't be afraid to ask for help. People want to help. Um, go out there and get that help. Your loved one would want you to be happy. And that's literally what I say every day. Mason would not want me to just be in a hole on the ground, curled up in a ball, waiting for my time. He would want me to be thriving, to be out there doing the best I can. He'd want his family to, his mom, his brothers. I really, truly believe that. And, uh, you know, seeking those good people out in the world, surround yourself with them. Uh, you're going to feel a lot better. So with that, I'll get off my high horse, stand. Those are just some of the things, some of the more bigger lessons I learned from this year. And um, I just want to throw this out there to Dan. Dan, I appreciate you so much. Um, you're a true friend of mine been there with me every step of the way and uh you're one of those people that i, I truly cannot thank you enough uh, for all you did for me and my family so thanks dan well i love you bud um 
a lot of what I want to say is the same as Chris. Um, I, just, I want to start with just reminding people that on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm tired. I'm not mentally strong. I have trouble with day-to-day -day tasks, so I, I need your forgiveness and your grace if, if I forget something or need to ask you for help of something that's been said already. I, I need your grace and your forgiveness because our brain functions are a lot different as we're still grieving. So thank you for that. Um, Chris, I'm going to echo a lot of what Chris said. First of all, it is amazing how many people die in this world. And it is amazing how many kids die on a daily basis. And I had absolutely no clue before Jameson died. You hear the stories and you, you, it's like, you, you, you feel sadness and all that, but I know I moved on a lot quicker from those stories. It's like, okay, that's sad. What's next? When you've lost somebody, you are so much more aware of every other story in the world. And it, it is crushing daily to hear kid after kid who passes away and realizing that there's another parent or parents who are now dealing with similar feelings that we are. Um, I, want, I want people clearly to know that everybody has a story and a lot of them are child loss. Uh, it could be anything. It could be financial things. It could be health things. It could be relational things. But everybody has a story. And we need to do a much better job listening to people. And listening is not the same as talking. People, people are hurting. People are broken. People are afraid to share. And... People are just waiting for somebody to come ask that right question, which is very hard to identify what that question is a lot of times, but that right question that will give them the confidence to share their story and release. And I think Patrick is a great example of that, where uh, he he's held a lot of things in for four years, and he and Chris had a discussion and I don't know what Chris said but Chris said the right words that helped Patrick finally be comfortable opening up and sharing his story and you all saw it live of that weight being released from his shoulders at least stage one of that weight coming off his shoulders because he was finally after four years able to share his story uh, so I want people to know that whether it's a, a grieving over the loss of a child or a parent or a loved one or whatever the story is, but listen to stories of people and not just in your network of friends and family, but the random people. I mean, we see it when you look at people acting differently, you can tell that something is bothering them and it's so important. I saw little side note here I saw I saw a, a video just a couple weeks ago it was a lady somewhere up in the mountains 
in somewhere in the U.S. and there was a, a motorcycle riding couple taking their photos of off the mountain overlook, and this lady was filming herself just bawling, and it it seemed very weird at the time. And I think I think this is a good representation of how we treat people on a day to day basis. Of if you look at this lady, you're like you're automatically judging her. Of, this is weird. This lady's filming herself. She must be, I mean, how self-absorbed is she and all that? But if you watch and get really hear her story and see her story, she was dumping something over the, over the mountains, at, over the edge of the overlook. And this, the husband of the motorcycle couple, he was, he was loud and having a great time. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, he caught a glimpse of this lady and he immediately froze himself, stopped having a good time, because he could see this lady was in tears and dumping something. And he quickly processed that he, she was dumping ashes of a loved one and having a clearly hard time of it. And so he first thing he did was he fixed himself and realized that it wasn't appropriate for him to be enjoying. It was totally appropriate for him to be having a good time, on a family vacation, but he realized in that moment that there was something bigger and more important. And he watched her for a few more seconds, and then he went over and just said, hey, that must be pretty important to you. And he didn't ask, and I think, I think this is perfect, he didn't ask, who was that, or what are you doing? I think those are questions that probably would have been hurtful, like Chris and I have shared through the season. But he was able to find the right words of, hey, that must have been important. And that was enough for this lady to say, this is my mother. Her dream was to be have her ashes spread over the mountains. I'm recording it because my sister in whatever state far away couldn't be here. And all of a sudden, her whole story of this weird lady doing something that we all are judging just by watching became crystal clear of what a special moment that was and an important moment that was for her and her sister. And the man came up and gave her a hug and just let her let everything out. And I think that's a beautiful story of what we can do as strangers to, to help other people in this world who aren't our family and our friends all the time. Because everybody has a story. Let's hear them. And let's see what we can do to let them get their stories out and, and, and cope and hopefully become healthier. Um, as Chris said, the grief is not as hard. It's still there. And there are moments. There will always be moments. But it is, for those of you who are grieving loved ones being lost yes it does get I hate saying the word better it gets less painful it, it does get better over time I wish we could say it goes away but it doesn't um, like Chris I still have faith in God uh, right now uh, when when Jameson first left us I think I really really did seek out God even more initially I think toward the end of year two and the beginning of year three here, I'm going through my phase of now I'm mad at God and I'm really questioning what 
what the reason is and what the plan is. Um, I'm, I'm curious to follow Chris over the next year or two to see if he goes through something similar or if not what he can teach me on that on that road. But I still do believe in God. I cannot possibly imagine how people that don't believe in a God can get through grief. Um, I, if that's all we have is that hope that one day we get to be with Mason and Jameson again. And without that hope, I think we would be destroyed totally. Um, I want people to know that I want to hear Jameson's name. Chris wants to hear Mason's name. We want to hear those stories. They are hard. But we want to hear, we want to know that you remember our boys. And then the last thing I want people to know is that, as Chris talked about, we want to make a difference. With the awareness of all the, all the pain in the world, that we now have a, a greater awareness of the amount of pain in the world. We want to know that we're making a difference in honor of our sons. We want to know that our sons impacted a world in a positive way in their short time. And that's why we're doing what we're doing with Mason's Mile for Mason, with uh, Jameson's Joy, with this podcast, everything we're doing now. We are driven to try to help somebody somewhere, whether it's grief or... Um, physical fitness or whatever the whatever it is um, I personally am driven with my say yes message I want people to realize that life can change in an instant you're looking at two examples of that that in the snap of a fingers your life can do a complete 180 course direction change so take advantage of the moments that you have now and let's stop all this political arguing and all this hatred and all the garbage that's going on if you look at certain parts of the world. And yeah, let's focus on all the good that is in the world and take advantage of those moments to live with our families, enjoy our families, make the most of that time, but also help other people while we can. Think that I think that is what I want people to know. And thanks. That's uh, yeah. You have some great messages out there, and I know we're going to work together as a team to try to make this world a better place. Because um, not only is it the right thing to do, it's the best way to remember remember our, our boys and uh, Jameson and Mason. Boys, if you're listening, this is for you guys. We're we're trying to. We're trying to make the world a better place, and uh, we miss you. I know I miss you, Mason, a lot. So I love you, buddy. Absolutely. And Chris, I wanna, I wanna bring him in. I see him back there. We're doing this, guys. If you're, I know the video feed on the YouTube is not great. I'm hoping that that'll be fixed. Um, I've got some new technology that I'm gonna play with the next month and get that set. But you guys can't see it certainly on the audio version, but the YouTube probably, but Chris's son Carson loves his daddy so much he keeps making appearances on here, and, and if he's there, Chris, bring him in. 
I think because I think that highlights he's going to be all shy now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to come now. So. Uh, but I think that, again, that highlights there's more important things in this world than so many of the things we focus on are, are so unimportant. And that little guy that loves his daddy that keeps popping in there, um, it, that's what matters. Hundred percent. Yep. I mean, you know, I got to make sure my other boys are good now, and you know, my wife and my extended family and my friends and those that want help and reach out to us and not help. You know, that those are my goals now, and I know that's the same with you, Dan. So uh, there's a lot more to this world than our phones and material stuff. And like you said, flipping. Your life can change in a heartbeat. I never in a million years thought that I would lose one of my children. Never. And, uh, you know, this isn't to scare other people, but it's to make you realize that life can switch on a dime like that and to really live every moment to the best you can. Because, um, you know, before I was a good dad. I, would, I would, If the boys wanted to play, I'd go do something. But there were definitely times where I was like, no, you guys just go play. I'm going to uh, going to do this or that I try to make a conscious effort now to get off my phone or stop what i'm doing even if it's 10 minutes legit 10 5 10 minutes yesterday i played 10 minutes of wiffle ball with with carson he just wanted to go bat the ball a little bit and did that you know it's those little memories that are may make the difference in the long run so do that with your loved ones folks yeah i've seen something I see it once or twice every year. The, the most important times of your day are the first five minutes at the beginning of the day, the first five minutes after work, and the last five minutes before bed. Those are the most important times of day with your kids. And take advantage of those times while you can. Um, I, I want to share really quickly, too. We just sent Reese to a wonderful camp called Camp Braveheart. It's in Brevard, North Carolina. Um, if you want to look up an amazing cost, uh, amazing cause to support, this is another one. Um, it's a camp for kids who have lost loved ones. And Reese just spent the week there. This camp is uh, run by volunteers. The majority of the counselors are high school kids or college kids who have also lost people. And Reese was sharing their stories. And again, oh my God, if you, if you have healthy kids, be thankful um, and take advantage of the time you have with them because the stories of these kids, our story of losing Jameson does not compare to some of the stories that Reese shared that these camp counselors are going through. Um, it just, it's, it was, it's gut-wrenching to hear about all the hurt in the world and again it just it motivates me that much more to try to make a difference but if you want look up i think it's campbraveheart.org it's in brevard north carolina there's another one somewhere in the country that's not related but support them if you have extra funds laying around and you want to really change life make a donation to campbraveheart.org to send these kids to this camp because the therapeutic element of it is incredible. 
Yeah, I looked into that. Uh, actually, when I saw you make those posts the other day, Dan and I looked into it, and it does look like an amazing camp. And um, if you can get out there, you know, Amanda and I, we've talked about it. How can we do it? Um, being we're a little further away, but you know, or even if you can't get to that camp, maybe there's other camps in the country that have the same, um, you know, same therapeutic results for your kids because it's you know dan and i haven't talked much about our kids uh in terms of you know how they're doing in the sense um but i'm sure it would help if you consider uh sending your kids to something like that Um, plus they'll probably have a lot of fun meeting other kids and just being outside and having fun with that so And I'm going to correct myself. It's CampBraveHeart.com for those of you that want to check it out. CampBraveHeart.com. So, Chris, anything else before we wrap it up? No, bud. I had a great time getting to know you more. Uh, You know, like we said, we didn't didn't go into this podcast um, in the sense that we knew we'd have any fun. But I really did learn a lot. And I really enjoyed hearing your story. I really enjoyed growing as a team uh, because I think we're a team and I think we've grown a lot during this podcast. And I'm really looking forward to season two. We got some big plans. Like Dan said, we're going to be working on resources, getting our message out there more. Um, And we're, we're looking forward to continuing to hopefully help some people go forward. Absolutely. So, um, we're going to take about a month off. We're going to be back somewhere in August, kind of correlating with the start of school. Mid to late August, we'll, we'll launch season two. And this is where, again, you've heard us say it if you've listened to all the episodes. We need your help to all our listeners. Uh, first of all, we want this to keep growing in the number of listeners because it is helping. We've heard multiple stories of people you've seen a couple of the stories here these are people that heard the podcast and said hey i need to share my story uh so if you could keep sharing the podcast to the people who you know are grieving but also it we hope it's good for people who are not grieving because again hopefully we've given you some good information on how to interact with us, how you can help us. And we all know somebody who has lost a loved one. And sadly, we know that we're going to keep seeing more and more of those stories come up. So uh, if you could spread the word of this podcast, summertime's a great time to get caught up while you're listening to stuff on the beach. You can get caught up on all the episodes. Uh, But also, uh, we want guests on our future seasons if you are grieving and you're you're ready to share your story, let us know. We'd love to have you, just like Rachel and Patrick and Carrie did. But also, if you are not grieving, we would love to talk with you live and just hear your questions so we can answer them on the spot. If you are a person who is interested in that, please reach out to us so that we can we can at least start having those conversations and make the plans. And then also, uh, again, we would love your feedback. If We would love to have you leave a comment on Facebook or send us an email and tell us what did you hear that really helped you? What did you learn? Uh, what 
do we need to do better? I got some great feedback yesterday from my sister. Um, some positive and some negative. We want it both. We want this to be effective. So please leave us a comment on Facebook or send us a note and tell us something that will help us make this even better. Uh, when we come back in August, uh, we're going to be very excited, hopefully, with some news from Chris for Miles for Mason. Um, it'll be right around the time of your second annual 5K, right, Chris? Yep, August 14th. August. Uh, I'm on the Miles for Mason page. Um, sign up. It's just a, just a virtual whatever you want, virtual run, virtual walk, virtual swim, virtual bike ride. Uh, we're going to be doing a 5K as a family, but just something, virtual hike, just something to get out there, spend time with your loved ones, think about how awesome your family is, and if you actually knew Mason, maybe uh, think about a, a good memory with him. We'd appreciate that. Awesome. And then by that point, hopefully Chris will have some more movement on establishing officially miles for Mason. I know he's going to work on that this summer. We're both going to keep working on things. So just keep following us on our Facebook pages and, and uh, reach out if you have any questions. Again, we said it before. If you're interested in really being on the ground level to help, reach out to Chris. Reach out to me. We need board members who believe in our mission. And we need people willing to, to invest that time to help us make this a reality and really hopefully make a difference for people. If you're financially blessed, yes, it's annoying to hear about financial things all the time, but realistically, that's what drives things. If you are in a good financial position, Miles for Mason, Jameson's Joy, CampBraveheart.com, they need financial support, big time. <clears throat> so... We asked for that. Uh, Chris, have I left anything out? Yeah, I just want to throw out one more time. Uh, we're talking about foundations. Don't forget about Carrie's Foundation, the Noble Bank Foundation, uh, in memory of his daughter, Caroline. Uh, and we're going to keep, that's part of the resources we're going to keep getting out there. One of the things is uh, if you started a foundation for your loved one and you want to come on and talk about them and what their, your foundation does, we want that too. Okay, we want. We want memories to keep uh, being, we want memories to continue to grow. So by all means, that's another reason we'd love to have you on if you have a foundation for your loved ones. But, you know, I want to make sure I threw that one out there too. The Noble Bank Foundation, uh, in memory of Carol. Yes, thanks. And I apologize to Carrie for forgetting that. Um, so I guess that's it. Um, but yeah, Chris, thank you for, as Carrie said, we all need a rock and you are, you're my rock, my friend. Um, I love you. Thank you for going through this with me. I'm excited to continue the journey together. And uh, to everybody who's listening, thank you for taking your time. We know that time is a valuable, valuable resource. Um, but we, Chris and I, appreciate it. It helps us to know that people are listening and the stories that we are hearing that it is, it is working. That, that warms our hearts tremendously because we know that Mason and Jameson are changing lives. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. So, Chris, have a great summer. I know you and I will talk a lot. We'll see you in August. Sounds good.
Sounds good, buddy. Have a great summer, everyone. And uh, we look forward to getting back to season two. Until then, thanks a lot. All right. Miles for Mason on Facebook. Jameson's Joy on Facebook. Uh, websites. And until next time, everybody, have a wonderful summer. Go out and change the world and hear somebody else's story and help. Thank you for listening.